ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. Welcome to Western Contours Podcast, sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. We talk gear, on and off season preparation, tips and tactics, conservation, and finding inspiration in the outdoors as sportsmen and women. Thank you for joining us as we share our love for all things Western hunting. Hey guys, thanks for joining Western Contours as we bring you Elk Holland Academy's Feature Friday. This week, Michael talks about camp strategies and setups for different phases of the elk rut. Enjoy the episode. Hey, everybody. My name is Michael Batiste, and this is Wapiti Wednesday Q&A. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. We're glad to have you here. The way Wapiti Wednesday works is I typically start with a subject, and tonight we're going to talk about how my approach to camp kind of evolves throughout the season. Um, Now, also the way the Wapiti Wednesday works, it doesn't matter if you're on Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram, feel free to put your questions in and we'll do our best to answer those. Now, there is some information that I can't give out on this because it's information that I do give to our paid students and students on the monthly subscription page, which we are in the process of building our own e-course and video site that will have an e-course that you'll have the option of either an annual membership or a monthly membership. Um, It has a store that has the Elk Calling Academy apparel, plus a lot of this Elk Calling Academy branded gear from Bendable Products, the Rip It Read, and also um, a lot of the products with the partners and the gear that we really like. So now, no matter which platform you're joining us from, if you're liking the content, make sure that you like, subscribe, or follow, and also turn on notifications so that way you're notified each time that we upload new videos or we go live. Uh, We've got some pretty good uh, videos coming up that we're working on on some product testing. So, uh, Alan, let's just talk Rosies versus Rockies. That that would be a pretty good uh, 
pretty good topic right there. So I will put that in the bank for a future episode. Benito, please come to Arizona. Etna, Wyoming is two hour, 39 minutes from Logan. That's not too bad. So uh, that's awesome. Thanks, Carl. Elk bro, elk, elk bros. So, all right, here we go. Let's jump into it. So you guys have heard me talk about, you know, the base camping, the, the, the truck. So that is primarily how I do most of my camping for most of the season. But in reality, there's, there is kind of, um, man, a lot of you guys are pumping for Arizona. So if you guys have archery shops in Arizona, uh, go in, tell them you want an elk sem seminar, have them get a hold of me. So, and then we can start the process of setting up, uh, uh, a seminar in Arizona. So, um, okay. So the way my thought process goes throughout the year. So our season in Idaho, you know, opens end of August, which typically we're dealing with Labor Day weekend. Labor Day weekend being one of those really popular camping weekends. Now, all of a sudden, you have all kinds of people camping, all kinds of people riding around on four-wheelers, motorcycles, and all that kind of stuff. Um, we tend to, that first weekend, we actually tend to spike camp that first weekend. So, um, like this year, our plan for opening weekend, which Memorial Day does hit on that opening weekend, is we have a trail that, and, and the funny thing is, we're only going a mile in. But the cool thing is, is we don't have to fight for camp spots for people. We don't have to worry about ATV, uh, you know, riders, motorcycle riders. We don't have to worry about any of that. But what's also funny is because we're at that one mile mark, most of the people that are kind of hunting on the road are really only going to go about that one mile. And then all of a sudden they're going to bump into our camp. Kind of deters from going any deeper. Now, obviously you are going to have, you know, those diehards that do want to go deeper. But for the average person, the average person is only willing to go a mile down a trail or, you know, behind a, behind a gate. So, so, we go in about that. It's it's about a mile, mile and a half. We set up camp, and then from there, we have you know two directions that we go with the group, and we kind of you know split and, and cover you know pretty pretty good un, uh, pretty good Labor Day, Mike Memorial Day, Labor Day. I thought I said Labor Day. Did I say Memorial? Okay, yes, Labor Day weekend. Labor Day weekend contains our. Uh, are opening. So thanks for keeping me straight, Scott. So, um, so yeah, the fact that we're, you know, bivied in there, we still have a lot of option to cover a lot of ground, but we choose our bivy locations pretty carefully. So, you know, like I said, we're not having to fight for camp spots. Uh, we just basically get to that trailhead and then hike in and, and set up camp. And we strategically place our camps down next to a creek. So that way, you know, scent and all that is always flowing down that creek. We also know where the elk are typically at in this area. So we don't have to worry about those thermals blowing down and, and affecting the elk at all. And 
The other thing that we look at when we choose our bivy locations is we still want that freedom. We still want that capability to hit multiple different situations or multiple different areas. So that way we can definitely still fly around and hike around and, you know, locate the elk. Um, Cause that first part of the season, you know, during the day, they, they, they're they really not overly top vocal. So you're more looking for sign and kind of doing some of that blind calling routine that we talked about in chapter five in the Patreon instructional uh, video. Now, after that first weekend, now we go to that truck camping to where we can get in the pickup and we can go different directions, cover a lot of ground on main roads, bugling and canyons. But here's the thing. So you guys have heard me talk about the hammock that I carry. It It, it is a hammock that I bought on Amazon. It's from Winner's Outfitter. It's a lightweight hammock. I always have enough food and something to start a fire and also plenty enough food because what I want to do is because some of these areas, you know, so we're driving in the truck we get a bull to crack off and then we work back into that canyon. Well, if we spent all day in there and we've had really good encounters with elk, we may make the decision just to stay the night on the mountain right there. Because then the other option is to hike, you know, the four or five miles back out to the truck. But in the evening, you know, it's, it's definitely dark by the time, you know, you're, done playing with the elk and, you know, to where you can't see your pins. So there's a good portion of that hike that you are going to do in the dark, dark part of the night. So now you're looking, like I said, four or five miles or six miles back to the truck, then however long of a drive back to camp, then you got to get something to eat, then into bed, then up early the next morning to drive all those miles back and hike. So like I said, there are some times that we will make that decision we're staying the night on the mountain, but we always have stuff with us that we have that capability. So even though, you know, I've told you guys that we, we do that base camp out of the truck, we always have the ability to stay the night on the mountain if we choose to. If, if just something there is just like, wow, we, we really, really need to stay here tonight. We'll go ahead and do it. Um, the other thing that that does is it increases your opportunities and your encounters. So, because remember, the whole purpose of night bugling is to go locate elk. Now, I have said in the past that typically we won't hunt the same area two days in a row. But it has to be something that we're seeing from the, from the behavior. If they're nice and relaxed and they haven't been pressured and there hasn't been people there... Um, you know, we'll, we'll make that call, but we will do things the next morning differently than what we did before. We won't go to the exact same spot and start working that bull or whatever. We will switch it up because typically you have to change where you're at anyways to keep the thermals in your favor. Now, if you're going to stay the night on the mountain, you need to be really, really aware of where these elk are feeding because the last thing you want to do is set up camp and then have that thermal from your camp blowing right down to where they're feeding because they're going to blow out of there and you ruin your chance for the next day and you might as well just hike back to the truck anyways. So, so there is that little bit of adjusting 
you know, on the fly. Um, Boondock Patriot, as a first-time elk hunter, would you recommend bivy hunting versus a base camp type setup? Um, you know, at, when I first started, it was it was base camp. I didn't really get into bivy hunting until I moved from Oregon to Idaho. And, you know, I had already been elk hunting four or five years and have had had, had pretty good success. It, that's really a personal decision that you need to make. You know how good of shape you are in. You know what can happen. You know, there's a lot of determining factors. Are you solo? Are you hunting with someone? So those are all the things that you need to kind of calculate. You can find success both ways. It's really your personal preference. I loved the backcountry hunting when we used to go back in there. It was an incredible time. And that area that we hunted in is a really, really special place. Um, it just kind of changed over the years with uh, how to the availability of tags and trying to get tags. It, it became almost more of an effort to get the tags than it did for the hunt. And it's not even like that hunt was that great. It, it just, because it was one of the first places that I hunted in Idaho, it was one of the first places that I really learned about backcountry hunting. It just really held that, holds that special place with me. So, uh, chasing critters, how you doing? So, uh, Josh Nordwell, shelter or bivy sack? That's again, personal preference. Um, you know, it depends on what you want to sleep on. I mean, you can go minimal with just a lightweight tarp, um, a lightweight air pad and, uh, you know, a backpacking sleeping bag and you could be absolutely comfortable. Me personally, I really like the hammock aspect of it. Um, I've, I've used a hammock for the backcountry for, you know, a long, long time. It's just something I've comfortable with. And, you know, when you get into hammock, it is, okay, top quilt, bottom quilt. You, you, you know, you need something. And there's a couple of options that you can go. Um, and I will be kind of doing a, a, a video. That's one of the things I have planned that as soon as the snow melts is, is a video on what my backcountry or backpack sleep system is. Uh, uh, six... 6 a.m. Outdoors has some really, really good top quilts and bottom quilts. Again, it's personal preference. I use my hammock. Uh, my bag is a is a um, zero degree bag. And then I actually have the climate uh, insulated air mattress that is designed for hammocks. It kind of holds the sides out a little bit and it's just extremely comfortable and extremely warm. So um, again, the shelter, a bivy sack completely your call. So uh, it depends on how much gear you're carrying, what you're carrying, and how much weight you want to carry. And is it that you're going to go back and you're going to drop camp and you're going to head back to that camp each night? Or are you going to tear down camp and throw it in your pack and have it on your back each and every day as you wander around? So, I mean, that's another option as well. So, Freddie, how you doing, bud? Uh, okay, looking, uh, looking for some help with this for me and my 13 year old son. Thanks. Yeah. 
Josh, it, it, it just all depends. The one thing you really want to make sure of on the type of shelter that you have is, and, and, and the gear that you have for that backcountry is warmth. Um, you know, you're already expending a ton of energy chasing the animals. So your sleep at night is oh so important for the body to recover and do it day after day after day. And if you don't have the right gear, those nights can get pretty dang cold on the mountainside and in the backcountry. And then you're just not sleeping that well. You're tired or it's uncomfortable. You don't have the right sleep system. Your body's not recovering and it just becomes a miserable grind. And especially with a 13 year old son, you really want to make sure that he's comfortable and that you guys are enjoying it and that he wants to do it year after year after year. Cause that's the biggest thing with, you know, introducing youth into it is making sure that they are comfortable and that they're enjoying it. So, but not so comfortable that it's like you're staying in a five-star hotel. You still got to suffer just a little bit. So, Ominous. Two weeks ago, I was out scouting two new units for possible elk apply units. Nice. We still have way too much snow to be out, able to go out and uh, scout yet, which is killing me. So, uh, Lucas, what do you use for bedding while using your hammock or just sleeping what you got? So, I normally, you know, like I said, my my hammock is a zero degree. It's It's just about that big. It is a center zip. It's from Outdoor Vitals in Utah. Um, phenomenal backcountry bag. Lightweight, extremely warm. And then, like I said, you take that Climate uh, sleeping pad, and then Climate also has a little blow-up pillow. Between all those, you will sleep like a snug as a bug in a rug. So you will sleep extremely comfortable. If I know the temps are going to get down, I will throw a beanie so that way I can put a beanie on and keep that, uh, you know, heat from escaping out of the top of the head and just sleep a little bit warmer. Um, I, that's really about all I take because, like I said, that bag is most of the time early in the season. I spend most of the night with that bag unzipped about halfway down because it is an extremely warm bag. So. Uh, Kelly Ford, do you spray down your equipment after you pull it from your pack or before or at all? No, I don't spray down my equipment at all. Um, I'm a proponent of the wind. So, and Kelly, you're going to get firsthand experience of this. So since you are new to our hunting camp this year, um, yeah, you're going to learn all this stuff firsthand. So my area is still under feet of snow. Only good thing about that is no mosquitoes. So yeah, there's, there's still a bunch of snow out there. Uh, Jackson Thornton, do you hunt whitetails? Yes, I have hunted whitetails. So cool thing, you know, here in Idaho, uh, we've got muleys and whitetail both. Um, it's definitely a lot of fun. So Benito, is a hammock comfortable? So the thing about the hammock is you really need to find the right hammock that has enough room for you that you can stretch tight enough that it doesn't have this big swoop. Most people, when they really think of a hammock, they think of this huge swaying hammock like you're sitting on a beach. That's not how these hammocks are. You stretch them tight. And in, and in fact, you stretch them, you, you, you set them up well enough 
you can sleep on your back. You can sleep on your side. You can roll over on your belly. It's all in how you set them up. So, but yes, a hammock to me is extremely comfortable. Um, like I said, it's personal preference. So, um, but definitely getting the right setup makes all the difference in the world. Sean, I use a two-man lightweight backpacking tent. I'm too claustrophobic for a bivy sack. And, and yeah, that's that's the thing. I mean, you know, bivy sacks, the tarps, um, you know, two-man lightweight backpacking tent. They have one-person backpacking tents. They have 1.5 so that there's room for you and your gear. There are a ton of options out there. Um, and really the biggest question is how minimal do you want to go? But the thing that you really need to do is kind of gather all your gear, okay? And I can guarantee the first time you do this, you are going to grab more gear than you absolutely need. You're going to get it in your pack. You're going to put your pack on. And it's like, ooh, this thing's way too heavy. So then you have to pull everything out. And then you have to basically rank your items. So and go from most important to least important. I thought I saw something. There it is. Best water option for maybe a two-mile back setup. So, Josh, uh, as far as water for me, the area I hunt, there we have quite a bit of water in it. So, you know, I normally carry a 32-ounce Nalgene bottle with me, and then I use the MSR Trail Shot as my water purifier. It's lightweight, uh, doesn't take up much room, very easy to use. And so I'm constantly, you know, monitoring my water. And during hunting season, I'll drink three or four of these a day, pretty easy. So, you know, I'm monitoring that level. So if I do get, you know, near a creek, I'm just taking, uh, you know, a quick break to fill that back up. Water's critical. you got to have it. So check out the MSR trail shot. So uh, I like my warm bed and my camp trailer and lights and a stove, but I'm not willing to hike five miles in the dark just to get to the camper. I'm actively lazy. I'd rather camp out than hike out and then back in again. Scott, I, I, I hear you. You know, the, the creature comforts of the base camp is really, really nice. Um, you know, like you said, the nice warm bed, all that, but also the shower. Uh, you know, I, I made a portable camp shower, works off of a uh, five-gallon propane tank, drops in a creek into a shelter, unlimited hot water. And the thing about that setup with that five-gallon tank, uh, you know, five guys for the whole month of September, most we've ever used is half that bottle. So, but the ability to take those showers each night is valuable. I mean, it's, it's gold. So, uh, Westerner, I swear by hammock camping so much easier. It is. So I have a enlightened equipment, zero degree quilt. Okay. Uh, how are they for bad backs? Grade one to two. Um, you know, Josh, the only thing that I can say is you would just have to try it. You'd have to do a trial run. So really, like I said, that hammock that I use, that that um, that I got off Amazon, it, uh, you know, Wilderness Outfitter, it, it's, it's like 
it's it's a fairly lightweight uh you know parachute hammock um it's an extra large so it does have plenty of room for you it comes with the tree straps it's it's to me it's one of the best hammocks out there and i've tried quite a few of them the reason like i said the reason i like that ex, ex, extra large is that extra large gives you plenty of room it doesn't feel like you're you're just all bunched up and tight and you know you do have room to roll to your sides and whatnot so um, but Josh, if it's any, any, you know, I, I have a herniated, herniated disc in my lower back. It, it, it doesn't bother me, um, to sleep in the hammock. So, all right. Have you heard of the hike and bike sleeping bag that goes right over your hammock? It's basically an under quilt and a top quilt. So Derek, that's basically what that outdoor vitals bag is. It actually has a boxed footbed with a zipper that you can run your hammock right through it. And then so then it does act as a bottom quilt. And in fact, that's what I'll do when I'm in the backcountry is I'll get the hammock set up. I'll get that climate pad in there and then I'll unzip that foot box, slide that, or, you know, slide, slide that outdoor vitals bag over the top of the hammock and then suck it down and then tuck that foot back in. So that way it closes that off. And so, yeah, so basically you do basically have that under quilt, uh, but then also with that climate uh, insulated, uh, just all that together works really, really well. So, but no, I haven't heard of the hike and bike, um, but there are a couple of different options out there. So Outdoor Vitals is another one. Uh, Tony, I just bought a 15 degree bag because I was worried I would be too hot in a zero degree bag. Do you get too warm in your bag during archery season? You know, Tony, sometimes I do. Um, but my thought process on it is I would rather have that extra warmth in case it did get really cold than not having enough bag because you can always regulate your heat with your zipper or I can open up that foot bag a little bit to, you know, allow a little more cool air in there to regulate it. So there's different things that you can do to regulate that heat. But now if it does get really cold, I know that I, ha I have that zero degree bag that's really, really going to keep me warm. So... Uh, Andrew, do you use a particular GPS? I'm the kind of guy who can get lost in a one bedroom house. So I get hesitant going too far past that mile mark in these Idaho mountains, but I want to push past that this season while being safe. So Andrew, I actually have used, um, the Garmin Colorado in the past, um, but really lately, I've just been using the Onyx Maps on my phone. Um, in fact, I haven't taken my GPS out in probably two years, three years, just because I'm so used to, uh, you know, downloading those Onyx Maps on my phone, switching my phone to airplane mode, and then I have everything that I need on the phone. Um, but, you know, Andrew, if you really did want to get a GPS shoot me a message. Um, I'd be willing to sell that uh, Garmin that I have, and it does have the Idaho Onyx chip in it. So so shoot me a message on Facebook, and uh, we'll kind of talk about that. So Robert Gonzalez, rain gear poncho helps to keep heat in over sleeping gear. So 
Yeah, and that kind of goes with some of those backcountry tarps. So that are designed, that's basically what they're designed for is to kind of reflect that heat, you know, back on you. Um, and there's, there's different things that, you know, you guys can do. I know some guys take kind of these new down puffy jackets that fold up really small. They'll throw that, you know, in their bag. So that way when they get to, you know, where they're camping, they have that that they can put on and sleep on. Um, I don't know. And honestly, with my system that I mentioned to you guys, there's a lot of times that I'll still get that camp set up. I'll take my camel off and hang it in a tree. And basically I'm just in the sleeping bag and socks, underwear and t-shirt and sleep just fine. So Jay, maybe a video on your sleeping stuff and your water. Yeah, absolutely. We'll definitely do this wilderness outfitter. So yeah, Benito Wilderness Outfitter is the brand of the hammock uh, from Amazon. Um, in fact, I'll, I'll grab a link to the very one that I have and I'll post that uh, Amazon link on the Facebook page. So that way you guys can uh, get that same one. Jim, true story, always lost, got lost on my five acres on X Maps. So it, it happens, you can get turned around pretty easy. Um, I remember it happened to us that year we were hunting in Montana. We woke up and clouds were really low. It was basically almost like it was fogged in, snowed. Your sense of direction was just off. Um, but, you know, I think that's one of those things that kind of the newer generation has kind of lost the ability of, I, I guess you would kind of call it the mountain navigation, the mountaineering, um, you know, moss on a tree, you know, different things that you can do to kind of help, um, navigate in the backcountry, And, and, you know, we've, we've talked about it before where enjoying your surroundings, enjoying what's going on, but in reality, it's more than just that. It's more than being aware of what's around you. It's also paying attention to landmarks and features. Because if you're taking the time to study all that, you're going to recognize areas a lot faster. So you're going to recognize, you know, certain rock outcroppings or, you know, there's going to be something that you recognize where all of a sudden it's going to be like, ah, I recognize that. Okay. I know exactly where I'm at now. So take your time. So does your hammock have a rain cover or do you carry a tarp? Yes. Same thing with outdoor vitals. Um, they have a lightweight rain cover that you can put on the hammock that uh, just weighs, you know, a couple of ounces. You can find those all over the place. Um, a lot of different companies make them. Like I said, there's not very much weight at all. Uh, definitely something, you know, good to to add. When we bivy hunt, I will take the rain cover. And I will, you know, definitely, you know, put that over because, you know, going to be there for a few days and it's hard to know what the um, <laughs> it's it's hard to know what the weather is going to be doing over a three, four or five day stretch. So I want to be prepared with that rain cover. But if it's just going to be one quick night, 
you know, when we make that decision to stay on the mountain, that is one thing that we're factoring. You know, we are taking a look at weather, you know, what's the weather going to be doing? Um, all those really play into whether we're going to stay the night on the mountain or, uh, you know, head back to camp. Because obviously, if a storm's blowing in, we're not going to stay on the mountain. We're going to go ahead and come off the mountain and head back to camp. So, Josh, with the waypoints sold. God, I might have to turn that thing on. I don't even know if there's still, I, I'm sure there is uh, waypoints on there. Um, God, I'm trying to think what areas might, you know, there might be some waypoints for up around Elk City. There might be waypoints for uh, over in the Island Park area. I don't know. I'll have to, uh, you got me curious now. I, I, I want to take a look, Josh. So. All right, Derek, this is off topic, but my dad has a very narrow palate and can't even get a mouth call to make a sound. What are some suggestions for narrow frame calls? Or is he just better off with external reads? So, Derek, yeah, there, there are some people that have extremely narrow palates and it's hard for them to you know, really make a sound. But the, the, the one thing that I find a lot of times on this is people will put those reeds so far forward up in their mouth that that narrow palate is really coming into play. But if they just move that reed back just a little bit, so because our mouth doesn't stay like this, our mouth is narrow and then it widens up as it goes back. Um, so by moving that diaphragm reed back a little bit will allow that reed to set up in the roof of the mouth. But if his palate is truly that narrow, you can reach out and call, um, you know, a call manufacturer and say, hey, here's the deal. What do you suggest? Uh, you know, because I remember when I was at um, when I was with Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls, you know, Bugling Bull, we used to custom make some reeds for a guy in Montana that were built off a really narrow frame. And then we really had to bend them to get them to fit. But in order to, you know, we really had to play around with the stretch because you, you take a flat diaphragm and as soon as you bend that, that, that starts playing with the tension that's on that latex and it really relaxes it way too much. So if we wanted to get to, a was where we wanted to end up. We would have to stretch that thing to B. So that way, when we bent it, it ended up at kind of where that stretch was. So, but I would say try two things. One, moving the reed back in the roof of the mouth a little bit, and then just reaching out to some call companies and saying, hey, can you guys do some custom or here's what we got. So, uh, Scott, always look behind you every few minutes because going back, everything looks different. It does because your angles change. You know, whether you're going uphill versus downhill, everything changes. And that's all part of really being aware of everything around you. And, um, you know, being aware of all that, knowing how things look. So... Uh, because they can change too throughout different times of the day and the way light hits them, things look different. So Lucas, plus it's nice to see if you're being followed. Very true. So Jay Irvin, just got top denture. The palette is so slick, I can't keep a diaphragm in one spot. 
you know, you might try something. I don't know if you've tried the Rip It Series J because it does have this metal bridge that this metal bridge on that top pallet may keep it in place a little bit more. But yes, that that is a common difficulty uh, with individuals that do have dentures. But I do know I have had a couple of students that do have dentures that have had success with the Rip It diaphragm series from native by Carlton. So you might just give those a, ch a try. Uh, Jay, if you're looking for one to go, depending on your, your calling ability, um, I would say the Rip It Red or the 450 would both be two good choices. And of course, the Elk Calling Academy read. So, but if you just want to get one to try to start, get that Rip It Red. So, and see how that works. Uh, you have an experience with solar charger versus battery pack. Yes, I actually carry the Goal Zero Nomad. Uh, it is a small solar charger panel and it does have a small little uh, power bank uh, combination. They're both lightweight. They are in my packet all the time. Um, so that way I have the ability. And sometimes I'll take the uh, panel and I'll clip it to the outside of my pack so that way it's open and gathering the sun and run the cord into my pack into the into the power bank so that way while I'm hiking around that power bank is routinely charging because you know we we have the video camera with us now and so we just want that way to um, charge those batteries but Gold Zero is a great brand so uh josh have a good night boys a double tomorrow need, means i need to go to bed get info josh thanks for tuning in tonight so uh jack looked at the charger the other day that charges when you boil water i have seen that one so um i don't know should i do a pack video for you guys and basically pull everything out so you see everything that i carry in fact yes i am going to do that because uh, one of the new packs or actually two of the new packs that we're rocking this year basically have day mode, which is so cool. Um, I, I, I mean, what you can carry in those things with the minimal amount of room, but still have the ability to load up on meat on the way out is pretty dang awesome. Okay. A lot of you guys are saying yes. So, Okay. Um, so I will definitely put that video on the board, um, and kind of go over everything. And Scott, actually that goal zero setup that I have is in that pack. So you'll be able to see firsthand, uh, the exact, uh, the exact system that I have and everything. So Lars, yes. Okay. Okay. So, all right. So, so hopefully that kind of, you know, paints a better picture for you guys of my thought process with my camp, you know, throughout, throughout the season. Um, you know, so you still kind of get a little bit of the backcountry, even though we're not going in, you know, several miles, we're only going in a mile and a half, you know, maybe two miles, maybe three miles, not that far from, on that first weekend. Um, but it kind of gives you that little bit of taste because it's a short stint. Um, and then, you know, then you're back out once, you know, all the campers are out. There's, you know, definitely a lot less people out there. Then 
you can set up that nice base camp and then have that ability to really do your night bugling, whether in the morning or the evening and really cover a lot of ground. Now, one of the things about that spot that we bivy hunt in that first weekend is, you know, this is that area that, you know, we normally hit that first weekend that there's multiple bulls that are back in there. And as the season progresses, you know, those bulls kind of break up because they're still in that bachelor group rounding up cows. So it uh, it's it's definitely an advantage because we're on the bulls a lot quicker in the morning, especially, you know, because that first part of the season, remember, it's hot. So we want to be closer that we can get on them as quick as possible as soon as it's light instead of having to use that light to hike back in and get on them. So, um, plus it's kind of cool too, when you're back there, they can be a little more vocal at night and, uh, have that ability. But I also know that that weekend also, a lot of people will take their family on kind of the last family camping trip of the year. So they definitely have to, you know, go back to camp and there's nothing wrong with that. It's, it's, there's no right or wrong answer or right or wrong choice. So this is just another option for you guys to get out there. So Mad Viking, how you doing, bud? So, all right. We're getting down towards the end. So what, last round of questions, throw them in. Let's go. Uh, showed up late. I'll have to go back and watch it on YouTube. So yeah, Ron, the replay will be available on YouTube and Facebook. And I think actually Instagram keeps it available for a little bit too. So you got a few options to uh, go back and watch the, watch the replay. So uh, upcoming videos that we have, we have the next round of the bow challenge which this next challenge is the Matthews Traverse versus the Hoyt Helix Ultra. Uh, we also are doing a tutorial video on those two packs in the day mode. We also are doing a uh, video review of the Paracoil, uh, which we used quite a bit last weekend out on the archery shoot. That uh, Paracoil is ooh, really, really good. So... Which is the best video on YouTube that shows your calling process? So, you know, Joshua, we've got all kinds of videos on our YouTube channel. Just go to the Elk Calling Academy YouTube channel. Go to videos. If you go to playlists, um, we do have kind of a beginner's guide to elk calling video series on there. Um, but really the best overall video series of exactly what we do um you're gonna get that on the patreon page which is just elkcallingacademy.com that's where i teach you all of the sounds what they mean how to do them but then also i talk about how i use those sounds out in the field so uh craig how do you consider elevation in your decision to camp uh if I'm staying in the backcountry, typically I, I want to get lower elevation because with thermals blowing down, I want to stay off the top of ridges. Um, you know, kind of kind of control your scent as much as possible. So I'm going to take a look and figure out where those elk are feeding. And I definitely want to be below them at night with thermals blowing down. So, um, but as far as base camp, 
Um, just something that gives us a nice, comfortable ability to set up a nice camp with, you know, everything that we have where we're kind of spread out. We're not on top of each other. So, uh, took my wife elk hunting last year. Nonetheless, it was my first elk hunt. It actually turned out well, but would like to have hiked in a little farther, but you know, that uh, ominous, that, that time spent with family, that is, Awesome. Time spent with family out in the woods is just one of those things that just really can't replace. So, uh, Joshua, that's awesome. I'll check the website. So, so yeah. So like I said, Joshua, the elkcallingacademy.com is going to point you towards that Patreon page right now until we get, uh, the other things set up. So what are the crispy boots you use? Uh, does it still have a lot of flexibility? Yes, it is the crispy Dakota and has a ton of flexibility. So thoughts on using headlamps when hiking in before daylight. I've heard green and red don't bother the animals as much. You know, I've tried red, I've tried green, I've tried white. Um, I don't know. I, I really haven't had much problem with all of that. So Sheila, do you have a video explaining thermals? No, but I could do that as a Wapiti Wednesday topic. So all right, guys, the countdown has started, so we are going to wrap it up. I want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in. Appreciate each and every one of you. As always, keep calling, keep practicing. Most importantly, have fun. And we'll see you guys next week on the next episode of Wapiti Wednesday Q&A. Follow and subscribe to Elk Calling Academy on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Patreon for tips, tactics, gear reviews, and live Q&A, helping you to success faster. Thank you for listening. Follow and tag us on Instagram at Western Contours. Jump on iTunes, Google Play, and Podbean. Subscribe, leave us a comment, and don't forget to hit that five-star rating. We appreciate the support, and until next time, lay them down.